Welcome to the Wrap Yourself in Joy podcast. I'm Karen Dwyer, speaker, teacher, and author of four books on joy. If you are searching for more joy in your life, join me for about 15 minutes every week. It could change your life. My newest series is called Nehemiah and Rebuilding Hope. It's based on my book, Nehemiah, Rebuilding Hope and Joy in Your Life. It has an imprimatur and a built-in study guide. Today, I'm inviting you to join a Cup of Joy women's group. You can invite a few friends to join you in listening to the podcast, then meet over coffee each week to go through the study questions. For more information, go to wrapyourselfinjoy.com and look for Cup of Joy Women. The podcast is brought to you by the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network. Please subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. Hello, welcome to Wrap Yourself in Joy. I'm Karen Dwyer, and you're listening to podcast number 10 of the Nehemiah Rebuilding Hope series. It's based on my book, Nehemiah Rebuilding Hope and Joy in Your Life. Today, the podcast covers chapters 10, 11, and 12 of Nehemiah and is entitled, Nehemiah Calls All Praisers. In our last podcast, we joined the Israelites as Ezra read God's word aloud, and they realized how disobedient they had been to God and his commandments. Their families and ancestors had fallen into what could be called rebellion revival cycle. They rebel against God, warnings, the prophets and teachers warned them to no avail, repentance, they're aware of their sinfulness and therefore they repent, and last of all, intervention. God rescues them from their enemies and oppressors and they revive their love for God and his law. But over time, they rebel again, fall into sins. God warns them via the prophets and teachers, and the cycles begin again. In chapter 9 of last week, the Israelites, after listening to the Word of God, remember God's care and the wonders He performed for them. They repent of their own sinfulness and unfaithfulness. Then they praise God and thank Him for His faithfulness. Next, in Nehemiah chapters 10 and 11, we follow the people as they sign a new covenant with God, rededicating their lives and the walls and gates to God. Let's start reading Nehemiah 10, 29-31. They joined with their kin, their nobles, and they entered into a curse and an oath to walk in God's law, which was given by Moses, the servant of God, and to observe and do all the commandments of the Lord our Lord and his ordinances and his statutes. We will not give our daughters to the peoples of the land or take their daughters for our sons. And if the people of the land bring in merchandise or any grain on the Sabbath day to sell, we will not buy it from them on the Sabbath or on any holy day. And we will forego the crops of the seventh year and the exaction of every debt. Skipping down to 35, we obligate ourselves to bring the first fruits of our soil and all fruit of every tree year by year to the house of the Lord. The curse and oath agreement meant they could expect a blessing for obedience or a correction from God if they did not follow obeying his law. They knew from their past what happened as a nation when they walked away from God's laws. So this means they signed a public agreement, which meant they were saying, I'm all in. I will follow God in all things. They knew there would be a great blessing if they kept the agreement. 
For example, excerpts from Deuteronomy 28 point this out. All these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of your womb, and the fruit of your ground, and the fruit of your livestock. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. On the other hand, excerpts from Deuteronomy 28 also point out the curses for disobedience. But if you will not obey the Lord your God by diligently observing the commandments and decrees, cursed shall you be in the city, and cursed shall you be in the field. Cursed shall you be when you come in, and cursed shall you be when you go out. So the people promise to give God their best and pay their tithes to support the temple. They promise to honor the Sabbath by not paying or selling and to uphold a religious marriage, not uniting their sons or daughters with those who worship other gods or idols. In all this, they showed their commitment to serve God and that everything they owned belonged to God. In Nehemiah 11, we read that the walls and gates were finished and the covenant was signed, so it was time to repopulate the city. Let's read the first two verses of Nehemiah 11. Now the leaders of the people lived in Jerusalem, and the rest of the people cast lots to bring one out of ten to live in the holy city of Jerusalem, while nine-tenths remained in the other towns. Next, Nehemiah 11, 3-35 presents a long list of the people and the vocations of those who moved into the city of Jerusalem, including leaders, warriors, Levites, temple gatekeepers, overseers, and singers. Some families volunteered to come into the city while others cast lots to determine if they should come. Moving to Jerusalem and giving up farming and neighbors would be a big change for some. Yet, it was the holy city, and it was so special to them. The remaining 90% of the Israelites lived in the surrounding villages and kept their fields operating to further support the temple, the city, and their families. Nehemiah eleven twenty three also mentions singers. For there was a command from the king concerning them and a settled provision for the singers as was required every day. There must have been a special stipend for the singers who daily sang praises and worshipped in the temple. The money came directly from the king as Nehemiah likely requested. Daily singing in the temple was very important to the Jewish nation, to the Jewish people, as it set up an atmosphere for the presence of God, for worship, for faith, and even helped in deliverance in battle. Chapter 12 of Nehemiah opens with more names, but this time the names are those of priests and Levites who returned with Zerubbabel. Now, Zerubbabel was the high priest who led the first return from the Babylonian captivity around 538 BC. He built the second temple, became the governor, and in Matthew 1.12, Zerubbabel is listed in the lineage of Jesus. In recording all these names, Nehemiah is recalling the history and the heroes in public record, those who sacrificed much in returning to Jerusalem. He wanted all to remember these good men as part of their heritage. 
Next, in verses 12 through 25, Nehemiah lists the Levites, who were the heads of households, plus the singers who led praise and thanksgiving with cymbals and harps and lyres. Once they had moved into Jerusalem and returned to worship and obeying God's laws, it was time to dedicate the walls and the city to God. Thus, they would ask God for His presence and His blessings. Verse 30 says this, The priests and the Levites purified themselves and the people and the gates and the walls before coming into the temple and imploring God's blessing. It was required of them to remove their sins and defilement. Psalm 24, 3-6 tells us why. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord and who shall stand in His holy place? Those who have clean hands and pure hearts, who did not lift up their souls to what is false and do not swear deceitfully. They will receive a blessing from the Lord and vindication from the God of their salvation. Such is the company of those who seek Him. Next, the praisers join the dedication ceremony. In verse 32, Nehemiah brought the leaders of Judah up upon the wall and appointed two great companies to give thanks and walk in procession on the walls. Remember Tobiah? He taunted the Israelites in Nehemiah 4, 3 and 4, saying their walls would collapse. I think Nehemiah was making a point of how strong the walls were. He sent one company of praisers in one direction, singing and giving thanks, verse 35, and they included the leaders and the young priests playing trumpets, while others played and praised with all kinds of musical instruments. Then the other company, made up of Nehemiah and half the people, processed in the opposite direction on the wall, singing, giving thanks, and playing trumpets too. Finally, they all met at the house of God and sang their hearts out to God. Verse 43 says, They offered great sacrifices that day and rejoiced. For God had made them rejoice with great joy. The women and the children also rejoiced. The joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. Wow, they rejoiced so much everybody could hear it for miles. Now, the last activity of the dedication ceremony involved joyfully offering tithes to God to support the temple and the priests and those who led worship. The gatekeepers opened the storerooms in the temple, and the people could bring in their offerings and first fruits to the Lord. This was in accordance with the commandments established by David and Solomon and Zerubbabel. Verse 47 says, All of Israel gave daily portions for the singers. The people set apart provision and tithe, especially for the singers who worship every day and for those who guarded the temple storerooms. They gave offerings for the Levites, and the Levites even paid tithe to the priests. Well, we've come close to the end of our study today, and it's time for some reflection. You likely noticed the emphasis on singers and on those praising and offering thanksgiving. Have you ever considered increasing praise and thanksgiving in your life? You know, you can become a praiser. Nehemiah 11 and 12, as well as 1, 8, and 9, show us how praise and thanksgiving is prayer. And it will increase your faith, lift your spirit, 
help you recall God's goodness, encourage you in hard tasks, and add much more joy to your life. So how can you add more thanksgiving and praise to God in your life? Here's a few suggestions. Number one, become a singer of praises to God. Even if you can't carry a tune, that's me, you can sing with online or CD worship music. As you sing the words from your heart, they become your prayer. Or you could join a prayer group that praises God. You will love it, and praise will change your life as it has mine. Two, read Psalms of Praise. Have you ever read the Psalms where you focus on expressing your love and adoration to the Lord so they become your praises? You can start with Psalm 145 or 146 or 150, traditionally known as praise psalms. Psalm 147.1 begins with these words, Praise the Lord! How great it is to sing praises to our God, for He is gracious and a song of praise is fitting. You see, the psalms remind us, that God deserves our praises, and then they help us praise Him as we join in on those words and verses. Three, begin all prayer always with thanksgiving and words of praise. Psalm 104 tells us to enter God's gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and bless His name. So the way to come into God's presence The King of the universe, the Savior of the world, is to come with thanksgiving and praise. So even if you feel distant from God, especially if you feel distant from God, start praising Him with words and verses and songs and phrases of praise. For example, you can simply say, I praise you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. You are all glorious. You are my Savior. You are worthy of all praise. You can find a bookmark on my website that includes praise, phrases, and words to use when you want to praise God. And all you have to do is say them from your heart. One final thing to remember is this. Nehemiah kept praising God, and the people were encouraged to persist, and the plans from the enemies targeting them were overcome. So don't forget the power of praise to defeat enemies and negative situations. Remember 2 Chronicles 20.21, when King Jehoshaphat followed the Lord's counsel and appointed singers to sing to the Lord and praise Him in holy splendor. They led the army into battle, saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for His steadfast love endures forever. So it was the singers that led the warriors with praise and thanksgiving. And then 2 Chronicles 20.22 adds, As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the enemies who had come against Judah, so they were routed or destroyed. They all destroyed one another. It was a fabulous victory won by the Lord as the enemies were defeated and the army never even used their swords. If you are discouraged or fearful or stressed or depressed, consider praising God often. God will fight the battles for you and lift you up when you turn your attention to Him in praise and thanksgiving. Well, that's it for today's podcast. I'm so happy that you joined 
our Nehemiah Rebuilding Hope podcast series. We have one podcast left. To summarize what we've learned so far in Nehemiah and finish with chapter 13. So, why not invite a few friends over for coffee or tea every week for just one hour to discuss the one page study guide that accompanies this podcast or other podcasts? You would be forming a Cup of Joy women's group, and it's a great way to gently evangelize and encourage others. I provide you with all the free resources. In September, I will be starting my fifth series called Joyful and Battle Ready. It's a perfect time to form a Cup of Joy women's group. For more information, go to my website, wrapyourselfinjoy.com, and click under the tab, Cup of Joy Women, or email me, karen at wrapyourselfinjoy.com. Until next week, please know that I'm praying for you that you grow in hope and joy and a desire to share the love of God with others as we study Nehemiah together. Thanks for joining me today. Please visit me on my website, wrapyourselfinjoy.com, where you can learn more about my books, download free bookmarks, and connect with me. Please follow me on your favorite podcast app and invite a friend to join you too. You can download the show notes from today at wrapyourselfenjoypodcast.com. Until next week, this is your friend, Karen Dwyer, reminding you to wrap yourself in joy. <music>